0: Aloha, I've got a fun guest for you today, or interesting, very interesting guest, Nick Klingensmith, and he's had an amazing adventure to get from where he was to where he is, and I admire his tenacity, and I'm sure you will too, and so many people out there have some of the same challenges that Nick has, and i they don't always get talked about. And Nick's uh, book is very motivational. So I, I'd like to have you hear his story. So uh, Nick, could you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Emily, thanks again for having me on. Um, my name is Nick Lange-Smith, and I am a four-time cancer survivor, a type 1 diabetic, a recovering alcoholic. I have seven herniated discs, nerve damage, sleep apnea, Had several surgeries, uh, bad attitude, um, life problems, and I became an obstacle course racer and defied it all. Now, after spending 20 years as a sales professional, I am a motivational speaker and mindset coach.
0: That's so amazing. I just, I love how you've channeled a lot of negativity into something really positive where you can help a lot of people.
1: You know, the, I talked about this earlier today. It, it had to happen that way. And I wish I could tell you that my, I was always that way that I was always like, Oh, yay. But nobody's happy to get cancer. You know, Nobody's happy to get diabetes. And I spent a lot of my life really just relishing in the victim role, you know, Oh, this happened to me. And it just, it gave me every excuse in the world to be angry and resentful and just sarcastic and cynical. And it was a really dark place to live that way until at one point, I just had to decide that everything happened to me happened for me, and I'm not going to be a victim to it. And again, it's not like I wake up every day happy to be a diabetic, but the fact is I wouldn't change it at this point. It's maybe who I am and I like who I am and I can do things with who I am and I can help others with who I am.
0: That's so cool. I, I just admire that so much. A lot of times people just get so hung up on their, their challenges that they can't see that there's more to life than challenges. And you've been able to do that in, in such a, a positive way. But tell us a little bit about that. Um, so,
1: you know, again, I wish I could tell you it really happened in the moment. There's a few key things that happened to me over time. You know, I got cancer for the first time in 2005, and it wasn't two years till I got it again and within that time frame is when i got diabetes it's when i got sleep apnea i had tore my shoulder and got nerve damage so i mean there was a lot happening just in this rapid succession no sooner did i get cancer the second time than uh, i don't know if you got to this point in the book than i lost my sister to suicide you know it, there was just so many things that if i wanted to live in the negative and at the time i did it I really created this, this shield for myself of just woe is me and all this stuff that happened to me. And it's almost like I had to keep getting things happen to me until I finally got the message because I got cancer again in 2013. Only that time it was, it wasn't such a burden. It was what I wanted. And the reason being is because I was well into the throes of my alcoholism and I knew I had to hang it up, but I wasn't ready. And so when i got cancer in 2013 i have a tumor right here in my neck and it i still do and i was told it wasn't safe to operate there was a lot of different options and all of them were bad and so i literally looked at it as i have inoperable cancer i can drink who's gonna mess with me now because at that point i wasn't quitting drinking because i needed to quit drinking i was quitting drinking because i was tired of other people talking about my drinking But then I was like, Hey, I'm inoperable cancer. What are you going to say about me? And it was the excuse I wanted. I was almost relieved that I had cancer. Mm -hmm. That's how just how down the victim rabbit hole I had gone. And the strange thing is that, you know, I told you that in 2005 and 2007, I had cancer. It was all thyroid cancer. So they took the thyroid out. I was under the understanding it was gone. Yet I got thyroid cancer in 2007. And then i was under the understanding that it should be gone and yet i have thyroid cancer again only this time because they couldn't do anything about it I, I i just dove headfirst off the diving board into my drinking and it was probably the best thing that could happen to me because it ended in a, in a very public meltdown i was a, a keynote speaker at my company conference in vegas as you know and the The night before the show, I was or before the conference, I got drunk. I got in a fight. I was thrown out of the hotel. I was almost arrested, and I had to leave town. I couldn't go. I couldn't present at the conference the next day. So all five hundred and something people knew I wasn't there. There was nowhere for me to hide, and I had to face it. And I think that has a lot to do with how we overcome these things. first we have to face it. We have to name it. We have to accept that there's actually a problem. You know, not just with with alcoholism or addiction, but whatever it is that is ailing us. When we name it, it tends to start losing power over us. And that's kind of what happened to me with with, with that. I mean, I, I stopped drinking on July 12th of 2014. That was my last drink. I celebrate my sobriety on July 14th of 2014. And I haven't looked back since. So after that period of time, though, there was a lull. It was a, a weird thing in my life where I had a good two years where nothing bad happened. Um, I stayed sober, didn't have any more injuries, no more cancer, or at least the cancer didn't do anything. Diabetes was under control. I started dating a, a girl that's my now wife. I had just been promoted at work. Everything was going good for me. And then I got cancer again for the fourth time. And this time was a little bit different. This time was kind of scary because it was uh, it was in the back of my head. And it was actually treated at the sarcoma clinic. So it wasn't the same type of cancer. I knew very little about it. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of people treat their cancers differently or they deal with their illness differently. Some people become part of the medical team. They know everything there is to know about all the all the medicine and all the, all the science. And I'm not that guy. I'm the, okay, so you went to school for this? Good, you handle it. I'm gonna go live my life kind of guy. And, but so therefore I was, I was not knowledgeable. You know, if you told me I had thyroid cancer again, I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go through the routine. I already know what to do. So it really created this sort of space for me where because I didn't have all this other adversity and all this other angst to hang on to anymore, you know, as my shield, I wasn't really playing the victim anymore. It was the first time I think I had to face it just emotionally. And I was scared. Like, I remember driving to work, fighting back tears because I was just scared. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want other people to know. It was a weird space for me to be. But then the weird thing happened is it was the easiest time to deal with. It was an easy surgery. They took it out of the back of my head. There was no follow-up treatment, nothing. And that's what left me in limbo. I, I was so used to just having to fight for my life that when all of a sudden they were like, all right, you're all clear. I'm like, what do you mean? And all of a sudden it was like this, this big empty emptiness that I didn't know how to fill. And that's when seven years and two months ago, my boss walked into my office and he said, hey. Have you ever heard of a Spartan race? It's an obstacle course race in Jacksonville at the end of the year. And I want you to do it with me. And I was like, no, 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 no way. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be that uncomfortable. An eight to 10 mile trail race with obstacles and through the woods and mud and to train for this. Mm -mm, Not for me. And that's when it occurred to me that emptiness I was feeling and I already was uncomfortable. I needed something to change in my life. And so when I took him up on that option, everything in my life changed. That was a big one of the big key moments. I'm going to fast forward a little bit because when I published my book in 2021, I started writing it at the very end of 2018 and writing it was one thing that was moderately therapeutic. You've read how they're basically a collection of short stories in my life, you know, different experiences and lessons that I sort of just kind of learned along the way. So writing it was more like a hobby at first. I wrote it for me. I didn't even know I was going to publish it. Um, When I finally started putting it together and I was like, okay, there's a message in here and I think I can help people. Let's turn this into something and let's publish it. And so that's when the revising and the revising and the revising came along. And this was the other key moment that happened because this was the first time that I actually got to look back at my experience through a sort of a different set of lenses. I didn't realize the resilience that I had been building all along. I hadn't realized that all these things were happening for me. The psychic change that I underwent wasn't necessarily during the process, it, went up, it was when I was able to really just kind of step back and look at the process and say, wow, look what I went through. And that's when I was able to truly appreciate all my problems as gifts.
0: That is so amazing. And it it's uh, the whole thing is a gift to you, which is is, and it's a gift to all the people that get to be motivated by what you've done and how you can do it. You didn't just take on a a simple sport. I I don't think there's anything out there that's more grueling than, than what you do. It's a, it's amazing what you do. If there is, I want to find it. Oh, wow. I bet. (laughs) that seems like your personality that you would.
1: Well, you know, it's, I'm never going to be a professional athlete. All right. I don't win these things. Um, I've never been in the top 10. That's kind of a goal of mine. I've nipped on the edges, but it's just a symbolic goal. It's truly meaningless to anyone else in the world. So for me, it is the challenge. I like the challenge. Um, I spent I was in a race on Saturday in the swamps of Florida. Yes, the swamps. There was even a gator, probably hundreds, but I saw one. And I was actually taking the course with a buddy of mine. His name is Billy the Ultra Beast. He has done five or six hundred of these and all of them carrying the American flag. Mm-hmm. Um So he raises, he raises awareness for veterans. He's a veteran himself and he's gone through so much physically. He's trying to complete this, this world record right now that he should hopefully complete this weekend. The reason I tell you this is because, I mean, he could barely walk. He's, he's really hurting here. So we do these things for different reasons and everybody has their own race. For me, I like it when I want to quit. You know, it doesn't mean that has to be like the physically hardest thing. It's about, it's about that mental, that mental gap of, thinking that we can't do something that's hard, or just because something starts to get hard, we have to quit. Whoever said life was supposed to be easy. I believe that we can be happy. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Once you accept that something is going to be hard, I like leaning into the hard, you know? And so as I started going down this path more, I realized again, I'm never going to win. So for me, winning is just the bigger challenge. And that's why I started running ultras and mountain races is, I really like getting out there and just into nature and it's just you against you when, you know, that's why we're not playing. I'm not playing soccer. It's not, it's not kickball. This is uh you can get hurt. I have, but you come out the other side, someone different every time.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your decor behind you there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is what we call the victory wall. This is actually the, uh, the foyer in my living room leads right to our front door. And to be fair, about 25% of those are my wife's. Cool. Um, yeah, she'll do these with me as well. Uh, she won't do as many. She doesn't do the extreme distances, but she's extraordinarily tough and she's awesome. So over on the this side here are my primarily Spartan Race medals. So Spartan Race is an obstacle course race brand. There are lots of great brands out there. Uh, different race companies. Um, what I like about Spartan, a couple things, they do a lot more of the functional fitness type obstacles, carrying heavy objects, dragging things, stuff like that. Um, it's not just technical and it's not just for fun, but also nobody knows how to use a course like Spartan. They don't even need to put obstacles out there and it would still be the toughest race course that there is. I mean, just again, for an example, we were in the swamps of Florida this this year on Saturday, and you were literally trudging through knee-to-chest-high swamp for miles. That's extraordinarily hard. Your hip flexors are killing you. You're tired. You don't even see dry land. And then you see a gator or two. It's... It's a challenge. So I just completed, that was my 97 Spartan that I finished on Saturday. And that's where most of the bling that you see right there behind me. On this side are some of the obstacle, other obstacle race brands that I've done, like Bonefrog and Savage, uh, 5Ks, 10Ks, as well as six major marathons, including Boston, Chicago, New York, and Berlin.
0: Wow. <laughs> I don't imagine there are many people in the world that, that are like you. It, that's, that's a lot of... Uh, a lot of participation and something that is so grueling it's just your descriptions of of what was going on when you you'd be and and one of the events it's just mind-boggling that that people can do that
1: you are your circle right they say sit with the winners and i've done 90 well and you know it's funny you used the word participation i want to change that to completion oh okay and the reason being is that I'm looking over my whiteboard there that has all my races up there. And I DNF two did not finish two races this year alone. So there's no medals for those races. And there was one in 2021. So I would be at hundred right now, but there was three different ultras that I was unable to complete. One by a time hack, uh, one by injury. And well, one, cause I quit, but you are your circle. You know, the guy I was out on the course with, uh, there was two guys out on the course with combined. They had eight, 900 races. Wow, you know, there's another there's a another guy in our space. I mean, he's over 80 years old. He's got 200 of these. There's it makes me feel like I'm sitting at the kiddie's table, but at the same time, I get it because the more that you surround yourself with just awesome people doing awesome things, the more awesome you become.
0: That's such a a, a beautiful point and such a great uh, example of it that you have been able to to um stay alive you know <laughs> just that with the challenges that you've had is a major accomplishment and to to be able to physically do this in in the process is just incredible
1: I uh, I was talking to a friend of mine before before we did this somebody I used to work with and I was talking to him about some of my daily principles or daily resilience r- routine if you will And acceptance is a huge part of it. Acceptance is the number two thing. You have to accept where you are. If I'm going to complain and try to pretend that I'm not diabetic, it's not going to get me anywhere. And I have to accept that this is just the price of admission. If I want to live my best life, if I want to live a regular life, it's going to be harder for me than somebody who doesn't have the same challenges. That said, I love going back to obstacle course racing as an example, because I just told you about a couple of guys, but there's also adaptive athletes out there and wheelchairs, there's people with, uh, you know, amputees like with prosthetics, the, the most inspiring, toughest people in the world are out there just showing you every single day, what mental toughness really is. And I'm, I don't believe in comparing, you know, I'm never going to be the guy who I don't ever want someone to say, I don't have your problems. Well, I don't want yours. I don't care what they are. Like, I'm fine with mine. Like we don't need to compare, but I do think that some perspective is important just to know that not, Oh, I'm glad I'm not that person, but more like if they can, I can. And that's a lot of what I want people to resonate with me because I don't think there's any extreme aspect to my story. You know, I've had a lot of stuff happen, but I mean, here I am. It's just, I've had a lot of stuff happen. I think that what's makes it sort of, Uh, Relatable is there's a lot of different parts of my story that people can that people can resonate with. But it's, you know, I'm not like extreme in any one category. And one thing that I go out of my way to kind of show in my social media videos, and even when I post obstacle videos, I'll post videos of me failing obstacles. A lot of other people don't do that. They don't want to show that vulnerability. You know everybody wants to be a rock star. No don't get me wrong. I have fun with that, too, right? But I don't want anyone who looks at me or who is listening to me or seeing my stuff to think that I'm a professional athlete because then they're gonna think that they can't do it too. And that's the exact opposite message that I want them to have. I guarantee you if there is somebody, anybody listening to this watching this, if I can do it, you can do it.
0: Wow you mentioned about uh not completing an obstacle you you can not complete an obstacle and still complete the the race is that right
1: so depending on the brand in spartan there are penalties so there's an obstacle called stairway to sparta and it's it's a wall it's a tall wall it's a really slippery slick wall and it's got uh those rock climbing grips Mm -hmm. but there's several feet off you know you got to jump up to them and there's about three levels of them and then you can get up uh get up and over the wall and it's i'm not describing it very well but it's a very challenging obstacle and i actually beat it this weekend so a couple weeks ago i had taken a video of me failing at multiple attempts trying to get up and over and i i just put it out there to the world so this weekend I was able to complete the video by saying if you keep trying you can do it but in spartan if you fail an obstacle some you can keep trying until you get it some you only get one shot at and there's a penalty for failure it might be 30 burpees uh you know which is a a functional fitness activity or uh more commonly they're doing penalty loops so a 200 to 400 meter loop sometimes you're carrying something sometimes it's easy sometimes it's harder but you know At the end of it, even though a lot of these are just sort of personal competitions, it's still a race. And so a penalty loop should technically slow you down compared to somebody who completed the obstacle.
0: Wow. That's kind of a a whole different way of looking at things.
1: I'm sorry. I was just going to say my first ultra 31 miler Mm -hmm. that uh, you'll read about soon enough. um, I did 330 burpees that day. That's a lot of failures. Actually, 340. Yeah, 340 burpees that day. That's a lot of failures. And that's one thing I do like about Spartan is you can you can just grit your way through it. Like you don't have to be athletic, you don't have to be good at this. If you're willing to suffer, you can do anything.
0: Wow. That's that's a quote to remember. That's <laughs> really good. You mentioned uh what you do daily. Can you give us an idea of of what a day What you what's important to you to have every day?
1: Sure. Um, I was mentioning about like five ways that I stay resilient every day. Mm -hmm. I was actually and this is just can apply to almost anybody doing anything because the friend I was just talking to, he's in sales and he's in a bit of a rut. And so the first thing is this. I'm I'm very purpose driven. Uh, There has to be purpose alignment with what you're doing and why you're doing it. So I just as an example, you know, he's in telecom sales. He's like, and I'm like, why are you doing this? He's like, uh, you know, my paycheck and retirement and 401, and all these check boxes. I'm like, well, if you already know it, then why aren't you doing your job? Because that's not your purpose. That's your paycheck. That's, that's not why you get out of bed. That's not what you go to work there for a different reason. It took us almost an hour for him to start talking about how he wants to spend his life outside of work. He wants to travel and do things with his wife. And I'm like, all right, now we get it. Now we know why you're doing it right? And that's a big thing. That's a lot bigger than just saying, I'm trying to pay this month's mortgage. Like I can't play small ball like that. It's not motivating to me. So I need to set big goals that align with my purpose. Right now, my purpose is to get on a stage, share my message, and help other people. And I will literally walk through fire to get there. Number two, acceptance. I have to accept the situation. I have to accept that I'm a diabetic. I have to accept that I need clients. And so I have to do the grunt work and make cold calls and put my name out there. I have to accept that until I'm making more money, I have to be more frugal with my spending, right? We there's we have to accept situations as they are. The more I mentally try to fight against it, that's that takes that mental stamina away from me throughout the course of the day. Number three, priorities and discipline. Once you know what you're fighting for, it's I make a list every day. I believe in planning. I believe in Uh, I follow the Franklin Covey method um, and I break it down into very actionable tasks about how I'm going to spend my day. So, and then discipline to make sure that we're doing those things, which for example, and this kind of segues in with adaptability and I'm looking at my planner right here, out of the hundred or so contacts I want to try to get out today, I've made four and it's 3.30 Eastern. So I have to remain adaptable and disciplined. So I'm going to be adaptable in the sense that I'm going to have to get those messages out tonight and I might have to get some out over the weekend, you know, but it's okay. I don't have to, again, there's no reason for me to burn the mental stress on that. I have enough to worry about. When I went to school at UMass Amherst, I paid my own way. I was working 40 to 50 hours a week in a restaurant, taking full courses, graduated Dean's list in in four years. And it was one of the reasons that I studied so much was because I was working 40, 50 hours a week in a restaurant. And I was like, why am I doing this if I'm not going to do it well? And the way that I was able to do that and maintain a social life and play on the volleyball team and go to the gym, the way that I was able to do that is simply say, I don't need to sleep. Now I'm not suggesting that to anybody, but what I'm saying is I took away that block that said, I have to be in bed by a certain time or that I only have so many hours to accomplish something. Remain adaptable within the situation, which comes to the last one. Number five, I have to believe that I can. And this goes back to the conversation with my buddy where he was like, yes, I believe I can succeed in my job. And I go, again, you're thinking about the wrong thing. You're playing by somebody else's rules. So once we finally were able to get that vivid vision out there, that epic goal for him, now believe that you can accomplish something great. Now believe that I'm getting up and I'm trying to do something for a purpose. So absolutely. And this is what I tell my wife too. I said, listen, there is no question in my mind whether or not. I'll succeed at this. I know that I have a message to share and I will get it out there. But I don't know what we're going to have to endure between now and then. Yeah. But we'll get there by following those five things and rinse, wash, repeat. <laughs> uh, I
0: can I can see that you will. I, I truly believe just from reading what I have so far and listening to you today that there's no question in my mind that you're going to get exactly where you want to be. Thank you.
1: Encouragement helps too.
0: No good. Well, there you go. I'll be a cheerleader. I can do that. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing conversation. I I just think your path of being a motivational speaker is perfect for you. Thank right? you. Yeah, you're you're gonna help so many people. So, there's so many times, I one of my things that, that I say to people the most when they, they start complaining about what they're not doing or what they're not getting done, I, I say, you, you need to get out of your own way. That's that's your biggest challenge. When When you can let go of that, you can do anything you want to.
1: This is what I told my friend. You need to daydream a lot more. And literally... You know, I really had to, he's been a very, and we worked together 20 years ago and to hear his line of thinking in the conversation, it was just very, it was very pre-planned corporate America. Like we grew up with, you know, like you get this, I'm like dude, two cars and mortgage payment and blah, 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 And check this. And I get retirement there. We travel this and I play in a golf league, I don't know, stuff like that. And I'm like, are you listening to yourself? I'm like, you're bored. <laughs> you're bored telling me this. I'm like, no wonder you're in a rut. Like you're not excited about living your own life. So I love to daydream. I've always daydreamed. Like when I worked in restaurants, it's how I worked 50 hours a week in a restaurant. You can only stare at the grill for so long. So I just, I watch, I make up movies in my head. And when I'm running for 20 hours a week, it's, I'm just, I'm daydreaming. And also known as visualization. And I'll even think about, I'll think about how I'm going to feel. I'll think about, who's there? What are the sights, sounds, smells? I mean, really immerse myself in this vision until it becomes real and then set goals behind it and just pursue it with reckless abandon.
0: Love that. That, That's just beautiful. I know I I do visualization and I've found that when I say things, instead of saying, I'm going to do this, or I want to do that, I say, I am doing it, whatever it is, because when I when I I don't want to let myself down, if I say I'm doing something, and I don't, then I go, gee, that's, that's not cool. But I've accomplished amazing things by just telling myself, I'm already there.
1: When you get to the part I don't think you're there yet about the Boston Marathon, you'll yeah I'm not um, there. there pay special attention to the language because you'll notice it goes from I'm going to run the Boston Marathon to I am doing this. I am running Boston and because that's how my thought process went through it. and for ninety straight days, I visualized crossing the finish line of the Boston Marathon and running down Boylston Street and I mean ninety straight days, I didn't just picture it I and you got to keep in mind, I'm from there and I've been in the marathon and I can, I can hear the sights and sounds. And I did that for 90 straight days. And on that day, it was arguably the worst weather conditions in the history of the Boston Marathon, mm. 18 degrees. It was sleeting, Ooh. 40 mile an hour headwinds the entire time, torrential wow. downpour. And I was wearing a thin long sleeve shirt.
0: Mm.
1: So here's what changed between my visualization and the reality. Nothing nothing i had seen myself crossing that line so many times quitting was i literally did not know how to quit the vision i couldn't see it all i saw was completing the boston marathon and that's exactly what happened i should have done a better job of predicting the weather but
0: (laughs) yeah that would have been a good idea
1: (laughs) I, I, i kick myself every day when i tell that story because i'm like why aren't i doing this every day with every aspect of my life but the power of visualization is, is unmistakable.
0: Yeah, that, that's one interesting thing is being able to carry it through your life because it's it's easy to focus on one thing. I, I, I helped for a while. My trainer was a ultra marathon bike rider, and he'd do the race across America, which is literally riding your bike across America every year. And sometimes he'd do it with a partner. Sometimes he'd do it in a group of four or a group of eight. It, it was different. But every time he did it, he set a record. And I knew he would because that was what he focused on. He knew that he was doing uh, whatever he needed to do to set the record so that he could set the record again. And it was amazing watching him. Just just really, really amazing. But And he wasn't. Uh, full of himself over it at all he he was a, a really cool normal mostly kind of person that I am not sure how I can say normal with riding my bicycle across the <laughs> the country but
1: well see you say
0: that and I'm like you know that sounds like something I can do soon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh you look into it it's phenomenal. Uh, it's, I, it, I got to go it, just, with it mentally normal, just made the so. list. Yeah it it's a uh, it's a really, really exciting thing to do. And I did uh, one i I didn't I was when I say I did it, it sounds like I went on a, I did the race myself. I didn't do that. He did one in in California from Magic mountains to in Magic Mountain to twenty nine Palms which was uh, about 24 hours for him. It was about 24 hours. A lot of people took <laughs> 36, 48, <laughs> whatever it was. But he, he set a record. It, he was on the two-person team, and they set a record again. And I was writing a story about him at the time. And so I, I went along with him, was able to be on the follow van just for the experience. And when it came time to go, the person who was supposed to drive that van hadn't shown up and he said we kind to go on this he said you drive <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> all right and i didn't know exactly how or what i was supposed to be doing but i had the the person who was navigating it sitting in the, the seat next to me and i drove for 24 hours and you you couldn't we we would pull over the side for them to to switch bikes and and for nature every once in a while but generally I drove for 24 hours and was I was so amazed that I did it and I I had no problem doing it when I was doing it When I stopped, it's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it it was I was shaking so bad when I stopped, but I didn't shake at all during the whole race. And I just I just gained such an appreciation for what people do to do that sort of thing. And it's it's really kind of mind blowing. And it it shows shows me the power of intention that if you if you decide you're going to do it, then just do it.
1: Just do it. You know, we talked about how challenging obstacle course racing can be, but there are also varying degrees of how challenging they are. I mean, not all of them are thirty-one mile uh, mountain races. Some of them are three-mile races in a park or a stadium, and you know, things that are they're still very challenging, but they're 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 leveled, I guess. And one of the things I really like about this life is that there's an opportunity. Inspiration is everywhere in these races, and. personal accomplishments it might be just the sheer fact that you did it or survived it it might be that obstacle that you beat for the first time like that one i was just talking about you know i mean i've been doing this for a while now but there's still one obstacle out there i haven't beaten yet and when i do that'll be my huge win of the day nothing else will not matter besides that you know sometimes it might be running a personal best uh or it's like i said it's seeing some of those other athletes even uh this weekend Helping my buddy along the course was huge, but some a couple of my best moments came when this one racer kind of went past us, and I, I cheered her on. I was like, "Hey, good job!" She goes like, "Huh?" I said, "I said, good job, great job, keep it up." She goes, "Oh, nobody said that to me today yet." That baffled me because it's such an encouraging community that I was like, "Well, you are doing great, keep it up." That was a good moment for me. You know, there was a there was another racer uh, on the barbed wire crawl, and I don't know if it was like a mental block or something, but she. I don't know she was mentally having a hard time getting through it she was doing fine but like she would be like i'm sorry if i'm taking too long guys and we're like you're doing fine just you know just take the next move and you know there's another guy next to me as we're talking to her and you know she thanked us when we got out of it i was like so clearly that was a challenge for her it wasn't physically it was just sort of mentally to get through it and to see her do it was awesome you know there was yet another racer that i, I saw who just kept want to put the sandbag down i was like and I reminded him the only way that the sandbag goes down is if you put it down, if you decide to drop it. And I was like, you're almost there. Let's go. Let's go. And, you know, just being able to encourage others, like seeing other people overcome those minor things. It just it was fuel for me. And those moments are everywhere. And I think I think the view of humanity that you see in racing, I think it actually helps me off the course because Things get so negative these days. And if you listen to people say that all the time, then it becomes very true. And I don't think it has to be. I think there's a lot more that connects us still than divides us. And I think we can look for it and see it.
0: That's right. Absolutely. And I, I love what you're saying. And I I see the application to the rest of the world and what you're saying. If we would all pay more attention to what's going on and where we could cheer on somebody that's having a hard day, or, or do something in, in support of somebody else. It, it can make all the difference in the world if, if we would all just do that.
1: You know, it's almost like if there's five thousand people in a Spartan race, there might be. And I'm going to make numbers up here, but there might be thirty of them running elite. You know, those are the those are the pros. There might be, I don't know, five hundred running age group or the competitive heat, everyone else is open, which means everyone else is running their own race where there's, they're not competing against each other. Yes, the times are recorded, but they don't matter. There's no prize or first place. There's nothing. It's just you against you. And that's where, you know, we get to help each other and to help each other over obstacles and to support each other and to cheer each other on. And to make that a, a, a metaphor for life, I think too often we get hung up thinking that we're in the competitive wave. Most of us aren't. We are. There's, there's plenty of oxygen out there for all of us.
0: <laughs> yes. Wow. That that's a good quote too. <laughs> yeah. Write that one down. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. Well, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you today. You are inspirational, and I just uh, am amazed at, at what you've done with your life. It's it's really beautiful to to see that you can come through with what you have. It's very inspiring. Thank you. So well, thank you everybody for listening today. I will have the links in the show notes so that you can get through to to Nick to follow him and see where he's going to be speaking and or offering him speaking gigs because he's he's uh, well worth it you won't be disappointed so thank you for being here and I look forward to seeing you all next week aloha do you want more comfort support and happiness join the grief and happiness alliance